begin to teach in these areas, this is specifically talking to the generation that God is raising. This is specifically addressing a certain kind of people. These kind of people are tired of the status quo. And if you know me, you would know that when I start to lay down these protocols, it's because there is a message that I have in mind to share with you. But it's first of all going to need you to understand that it is these words are not for everybody. Because I know certain people, they like to go to church just to hear a word that will make it look like tomorrow God will answer their prayers. But I begin to understand that now when God wants to answer certain prayers, he sends men. He sends men. So what if you now shift your mindset from asking God to answer your prayers to you being the answered prayer of somebody else? When the woman of Sarif, when the widow of Sarifat was in her vicinity, there was something that she needed God to do. But God did not come down from the sky and help the widow. In fact, what he did was send his prophet. So I realized that when God wants to answer prayers, he raises men. So I begin to discover that what you and I are, are the answer, we, are the, we are the answer to certain people's prayers. So what if God wants to answer a prayer that somebody has financially? We can become the answer to certain people's prayers. Many times we can look and we can want people to help us. But God says when you, when you fall short, when you fall short of finding people to help you, then you turn around and be the helper of many. So tonight or this afternoon, it is a quick, surefire word to get you into a position to fire you up, to let you know that God has raised you to be the help. That's what it means when you say you are the head and not the tail. Being the head sometimes means you are the help. So if, if you are around yourself, if you're around a certain situation today, certain, certain circumstances, and you feel like those circumstances are impossible, I want you to key into this word. I want you to actually begin to open your eyes and ears and pay attention and focus. Key into this word because I guarantee you that wherever the word is, there is power. Power to change certain circumstances and certain situations. But also power to go through certain valleys that God would allow you to go through. So tonight, let us just get into the word. We're going to start from Colossians chapter 1. In fact, no, let's start from James chapter 1. Quickly, then I'm coming to Colossians chapter 1. You can lower this a bit, just for now. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, That's right. to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, mm. greetings. Yeah. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, uh -huh. whenever you face trials of many kinds. He said, first of all, he said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. So when I discovered, can I just go ahead of myself? The revelation of your faith is discovered in the trials you go through. You cannot reveal your faith to God. The trials you go through reveal your faith to Him. So He said, consider it pure joy when you go through various trials. So there are trials, there are tests, 
that we go through. We go through the trial called lack. We go through that trial, but he said when we're going through that trial, consider it pure joy. There are situations that will come up. There are circumstances that we will be born into. But he says whenever you go through certain things, consider it pure joy. When you go through those things. So that my response to trials, to tests, to examinations is pure joy. And he said that it might not look like pure joy, but he said to consider it. It means to change your perspective about what you are going through. I want to start on this note because of where we're going. I first of all need to teach you that the rebel- you cannot reveal that you have faith to God. The trials that you go through, the situations that you go through will reveal the faith you have. Read on. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. He said these trials will be of many kinds. So some of you will face financial challenges. But he said it's a trial. And that you should consider it pure joy. Can I give you a little secret? When you actually are in the midst of deep poverty, for example, do you know what should be your number one ingredient? Pure joy. It's difficult. And even when you say this, you would almost think that, um, that how can you say this? Because it, is, it looks unreasonable. It looks irresponsible. But let me tell you, there are, there are medicines that God gives for certain things and tra- situations that, God go, that people go through. So he says here that when you are going through trials of many kinds, consider it. Perspective must change. To consider, can we add the definition of consider? He says perspective must change, perception must change. You must now begin to recognize that even though I'm going through this hardship, I must go through the hardship with pure joy. When I'm going through a certain trial, a certain test, a certain examination, I must go through this examination with pure joy. Because pure joy is the ingredient that God looks for in order to carry you through certain situations. There are situations that you don't know how to solve that problem. But it says, even in the midst of not knowing how to solve that problem, one of the ingredients that you walk through problems with is pure joy. Go for it. To fix the mind on. To fix the mind on. I love that. To consider means to fix the mind on. So one of the things that he says is when you go through trials, fix your mind. Fix your mind on joy. Do you know what that tells me about joy? It is actually... It is actually a decision, not an emotion. It is a decision to have joy. Joy is not happiness. It is actually, you can actually decide to have joy even when you go through the most trialing of situations. I know people who have lost their mothers, they have lost their fathers, they have lost their siblings, they have lost people very dear and close to them. But you see, what the Bible says there is when you go through certain trials, things that challenge you, things that challenge your faith, it says to us that you must consider it pure joy. Meaning fix your mind, go on. To fix the mind on with yeah. a view to a careful examination. So he said fix the mind on with a view to a careful examination. So what that simply means now to us is that whenever I go through certain trials, if I'm going through the trial called lack, God is first of all looking for whether I have considered whether I have fixed my mind on joy, whether I fix my mind on, there are situations that can get me down, but I'm just not going to be down. 
There are situations that can make me unhappy, but I'm just not going to be unhappy. And as a human being, you have every right to be unhappy. But the truth of the matter is, when you now get into this place, how do you build a formidable movement, a formidable people? You teach them that even when they go through their value, when they go through their situations, when they go through their trials, that they must fix their mind on joy. So joy is a decision. I decide to be joyous. I decide to be full of joy. It is a decision I have made. So guess what I realized? There are situations that come to me. There are circumstances that happen. But even though they happen, guess what happens? I choose to be full of joy. It's a choice. But that's not where I'm going. Continue. That's James Walter. Uh-huh. Because you know that the testing of your faith uh-huh. produces perseverance. So look at what I was saying. That the trials that people go through in life, the trials that you experience, the trials that you encounter, the situations, the loss of family, um, the financial difficulties, the this, the that, whatever your own trial may be in this season, right, that you're going through, guess what he said? It is the testing of your faith. So guess what life is? A test of my faith. A test on whether I can believe God no matter the trials that we go through. The more you rise, the greater the trial. People think they're going to go through certain trials in order to get to success. Let me tell you something. When you become successful, the hardest trial you will go through is to keep being successful. Once you break a boundary or a barrier, once you break a ceiling, once you shatter yourself, shatter a box, guess what the hardest thing will be? To shatter the next box. To break the next ceiling. That is one of the most hardest things. So, God says to us that actually the test of life, the situations of life are the testing of faith. So if I were you, I would actually put somewhere that every situation I'm going through, every situation I'm encountering is the testing of faith. I don't care how small or how big the situation is, it is actually something that has come to bring the revelation of faith to me. Do you know what I realized? That faith is highest in my own life when there are situations that are happening per time. It, I realize that there is a faith because remember, I said to you that the revelation of faith does not come until there are situations. So when people back down, when people back out, when people shrink away from situations, they lack faith. But this is still just a journey to where we're actually going today. So he said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. So situations of life test faith so that you can produce. So that you can produce certain characters. So that you can produce certain certain stabilities that will help you in life to become a to become a, a faithful man. So he said, the testing of your faith. Out of faith comes perseverance, the the ability to stand firm, the ability to not be shaken by the trials and situations that you go through. What do nations need? Nations need men who have perseverance. 
that these men cannot be moved by the atmosphere or the or the circumstances around them. They cannot be moved by the temperature that they met. They cannot be moved by bad leadership. They cannot be moved by regulation or law. They they are they they persevere even when they're under scrutiny. They persevere even when they lack finances the way they desire it. They persevere. They able to go through hard times, but their character does not shift because they said the testing of their faith produces perseverance. So I didn't know that when I was persevering, it was faith working. So people want to know when faith working, in the world that we came from, faith working is when, when you pray, God answered your prayer. This is the man of faith. Because when he prays, God answers him. When he prays, he prayed for healing and it worked. But this, but look at what scripture says here. Scripture says that the testing of my own faith produced perseverance. So situations of life and faith mixed together and produced perseverance. They produced a characteristic in me. So I realized that the first test of faith is to produce the God-like character. Because there is a difference, oh my God, there is a difference between somebody trying to use faith and the man of faith. So I'm not using faith anymore, I have become the man of faith. The man of faith is characterized by his ability to persevere. His ability to walk through certain situations and not shift from the right or to the left. So there are men that can use faith. They use faith to get that house, whatever that means. God forbid that we will have to use faith to get that house. God forbid that we will have to use faith to get what other men can get by work. God forbid. So he says that the testing of our faith produces patience, yeah? Definition of perseverance. Uh, perseverance, go for it. Continued pursuit. He said it, it, it produces continued pursuit. He's become a man of faith because he continually pursues God. He perseveres. Situations don't happen and he turns away from God. That's not a man of faith. That is a man who uses faith when it suits him. But there are men who are men of faith. He said that this man is produced, it produces perseverance. He said perseverance means continued pursuit. So when you, when you see a man of faith, what characterizes him? He continually pursues what God has laid on his heart to pursue. So it's, yes, it starts with God. He says, knowing that, he says that those who come to God, oh my God, I love this. Maybe we'll do faith. So he says, those who come to God will go there. But let's read Perseverance still. Go for it. Continued pursuit uh -huh. or prosecution uh -huh. of any business or enterprise for uh -huh. God. So he said they also are able to prosecute. So now we're beginning to see the man of faith. The man of faith is different from the faith of man. This man knows how to, he knows how to be molded by faith. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So it tells me that faith has a personality that can possess a man. Because it says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, the man of faith. The faith of man says, Lord, I need this. And I have faith in you for it. But God says... Stop looking to me for things that you need. Because I have given you the ability to become faith itself. So there may be things in this realm that may block and, and, and limit certain men. But you have become the man of faith. The man of faith is the man characterized by faith itself. He adds perseverance. What else? 
Uh huh. So then let's go back to James 1. TPT. Uh huh. My fellow believers. This is the, tran- the Passion Translation. My fellow believers. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, uh-huh. see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. So let me break this down. I'll break it down, you read. What she, listen, he said, my fellow believers. He didn't say, he wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to people who were in the faith with him. He said, my fellow believers. He, 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 he speaks to the church. He speaks to the family. Because the family thought when they came into God, God was going to rescue them from all their problems. That is a false doctrine. In fact, sometimes the vehicle that God uses in order to raise his men is problems. If, when God wanted to raise Joseph in Egypt, God sent Joseph into Egypt on the vehicle of slavery. That, that is a, that to the eye of man, that is a problem. But to God, he says, that is my vehicle. That is my vehicle to get Joseph into Egypt, to position Joseph. So I want you to look at the problems around you today and know that they're actually vehicles to where God wants to take you. They are not, they are not issues that you're praying for God to take away. If God takes your, away your problems, guess what he does? He makes you a non-entity. There is no leader in the nations that have risen without God, not without God, without problems. Can I quickly chip in something here? The most formidable leaders are born out of the highest crisis. Let me use recent examples. There was a man called Winston Churchill. He was once in the face of leadership, once in the front of leadership, but then they put him to the backside of the desert. But what brought him back to the forefront was that Britain needed somebody to fight the war against Germany. And they needed a madman. Somebody who knew how to handle problems. The next generation of leaders are the ones who will know how to take problems and absorb them and walk through life with those problems, finding solutions for those problems. So don't shy away. Don't back down from problems. Look at what James says here. My fellow believers, I want you to do what? When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, Uh see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. He said, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, I don't care what the difficulty is, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as what? As an invaluable opportunity. Stop there. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity. I see people, when difficulties come, financial difficulties come, complaint is what they do. But God says if the, the, the man of faith sees invaluable opportunity. I never heard one day in the scriptures when they said that Joseph just went to complain to God. I never heard one day. This guy had brothers. These brothers, because of the vision that Joseph saw, actually sold jo- they actually almost beat him to a pulp and then threw him in a well and then decided to sell him as a slave. But Joseph never began to complain about his past. They sold him as, as a slave. The, the, the scriptures let us know of Joseph that when he got into the house of Potiphar, he began to work with Potiphar and because Joseph was in that house, the blessing was on the house of Potiphar. 
So what do I know about the man of faith? Wherever he is, the blessing follows him there. Inside of the difficulty that the man of faith is going through, it is still the blessing. The joy that he has in the difficulty that he's going through is still the blessing. So when you see men that are going through difficulties, see, know that that man is, that man is surrounded by invaluable opportunities. Go on then, let's read To that. experience the greatest joy that you can. So he said he's surrounded by the most in, invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy. This almost seems contradictory. How can difficulty and joy go in the same sentence? But you know why? Because it's not about the, it is not about the situation. It is about your faith. God says God allows situations to reveal your faith to you. So I want you to see faith like a sword today. And when you see faith like a sword, I also want you to see situations like the sharpener of that sword. You begin to maneuver situations through you begin to maneuver situations through the man of faith you're becoming. Ask God to not bring you out of situations prematurely. Ask him to, that you should not come out of problems prematurely until your faith, until the man of faith is sharpened to who he needs to be. Don't come out of situations too quickly. They said I'm in a financial difficulty. Yeah, now the man of faith must be molded. It must be shaped. It must be well equipped to, but through the difficulty that he's going to. So let me tell you what your trainer is sometimes, difficulty. Sometimes your pastor can be the person that keeps you as a non-entity because he's, he's designed to take you out of your difficult situations. But sometimes I'm beginning to realize that what we should have actually done is we should have left people in certain difficult situations so that their faith can be sharpened, so that the man of faith can produce perseverance, continue pursuit. There were things in our lives that caused us to continually pursue God, continually pursue what God has laid on our hands to do. We just continually pursued it because what people usually like is they like the notion of a hero, but I like the notion of the man of faith. The man of faith is the true hero. He's the one that doesn't need somebody to come down and to rescue him from his problem. He's a true hero. He, he shapes himself. And when he has to endure certain things, he endures. He sucks it in. But he doesn't stop praying in the Holy Ghost. He doesn't stop reading the word and, and sharpening himself in the word. He, he, he continues in that pursuit. He's looking in the word. And if it's a financial difficulty, he sees the word Deuteronomy 8, 18. For it is the Lord your God that giveth thee power to create wealth. And he prays on that word until he sees the way that faith wants him to be molded. Perseverance. So he says, to experience the greatest joy. Go for it. For you know that mm. when your faith is tested, yeah. it stirs up in you the power of endurance. Look at that. He said, when your faith is tested, there is something that is stirred up in you. The situations of life are your training wheels. They are the ones that come to stir up the lion on the inside of you. David was in the backside of the desert looking after the sheep. But then David did not have situations, but the sheep had situations. So sometimes when you become a leader, what will happen is you will transfer from looking after your own life to taking on the situations of the sheep. 
Because the lion will come to attack the sheep in the backside of the desert, and David will, something will be stirred up in David to have to go and wrestle the lion to a standstill. There are some of you watching me today where God is saying it's time for you to wrestle certain lions to a standstill. If David was not going to pray, oh God, come and tame this lion. No, he was a man of faith. Something was being produced on the inside of him. So he went ahead and he went to go and attack the lion before the lion attacks him. Because he was not going to allow the lion to come and take the sheep. He was going to it was going to stir up on the inside of David. So someone says, I'm not going through no personal problems, but there are personal problems of the sheep. I realize what God did with us in the UK is that He gave us sheep who had problems. Just like when David would graduate from the sheep, there will be 400 men that come to David in the backside of the wilderness. David had no resources, he had no finances, he was living out of caves. At the time, he was living outside of caves. And the Bible tells us, maybe you can go there real quickly. You help me find it. Those who came to him were in distress. They were adept. And what was the next one? And they were discontented. These were the men that came to him. They came to him with situations. Don't run away from situations. Don't run away from certain crises. Because inside of the crisis, the oil to be king is inside of that crisis. So when you try to run away from that situation, when you try to run away from that crisis, you're only just removing yourself from the oil that will make you king. So when you see a country or a nation in crisis, just know that inside of that country or that nation, there is a new generation of leaders brewing. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time because sometimes when you're looking after the people in the wilderness, you'll realize that there's not actually no money to eat food. There's no resources to cook food for ourselves. And at the same time, the king is the current king is still after your blood. Meaning the regulations and the laws that you actually make in that country make it difficult for you to prosper. But God says to us tonight that when wherever there are situations, those situations are forming and molding you because you are a man of faith. It is producing endurance on the inside of you. What did the 400 men that came to meet David in the wilderness do? It produced endurance on the inside of David. David was going to be right to become king. But the only thing that he would not have on his head is the crown. But what he did was, what is a true king? A man who knows how to govern people in their situations. He does not take them out of the situations. He also makes other men of faith. The world can have chariots and systems in which they operate in. But what we have is the system called faith. He said by faith. Oh God, I feel it tonight. I don't know. He says by faith. Uh, where do, let's look at David first. Let's look at David first. Eh? Let me finish David. David therefore departed mm -hmm. from there and yeah. escaped to the cave of Ajalon. Yeah. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Uh -huh. And everyone who was in distress And everyone who was in distress Everyone who had a situation Go on Everyone who was in debt Everybody who was in debt uh -huh. And everyone who was discontented And everybody who was discontented they, they did what? They gathered to him They gathered to him Remember these were 400 people But guess what they were? They were 400 situations God gives men, his men, his death situations so that they can be formed in faith. So that they can stop being f the faithful man. They can stop having the faith of man and become the man of faith. 
It is by faith. Because of faith. So I'm telling you tonight, if we're going to have the new generation of frontiers, it is because they have become men of faith. So he says we can no longer shy away from situations. 400 situations coming to David. Situations of debt. Situations of discontent. Situations of distress coming to David to meet him in the wilderness. And David is looking and saying, I don't even have a penny to lead these people. We don't even have an economy to lead these people. We don't even have, um, what else we would need? We don't even have a place to rest our head. But a faith arose in David. A faith after a rise in David, something has to be stirred up on the inside of David that will enable him, that will enable him to take on 400 situations carry it on his shoulder. The man of faith is now carrying other people's situations on his shoulder. David was carrying a nation by faith. So the next nation, the next national leaders will be men of faith. They will carry men on their shoulders by faith. They will carry men into their realms by faith. They will carry the banking industry on their shoulders by faith. They will carry the legal world on their shoulders by faith. These are the men that God is raising. The man of faith knows how to create other men of faith. Because by the time these men had been finished in David, they became mighty warriors. They were also faith men. I don't have time to take you through their CV today, but let me tell you something. By the time God is done with you, your CV will be a CV of faith. There are certain areas in which you should never enter, but faith will take you there. Now faith is. Help me find that scripture. Because I need you to understand today that what God is doing in our midst is he's creating a different kind of man. I've seen the men that the world has produced. I saw the men that the, the, that the music industry has produced. I've seen the men that the entertainment world has produced. They're decent men. But now it's time for the men of faith. Men who started record labels by faith. They signed record artists by faith. These are the faith men. They were men of faith. These things were produced in them. It was produced over a time. These are the faith men that we're talking about. They didn't pray to God. They were answered prayers. They prayed. They didn't pray. They, they, they walked into people praying and they answered what the people were praying about. Men of faith. So when you're surrounded by situations, when you're surrounded by instances and circumstances, I don't care what brought it. I don't care if it was when you were born that brought it. I don't care if you self-inflicted it on yourself. I don't care if somebody else, an external circumstance brought it on you. What I'm telling you tonight is that whatever situation you're surrounded by, it comes to test your faith. Now faith is. Now faith is uh -huh. the substance of things hoped for. Look at what faith is. He said the substance of things hoped for. When you become the man of faith, you become other people's substance. When people encounter you, they encounter what they had faith for. Do you understand that? There are some people that were desired and, and they were birthed to be nation takers. They had to encounter a man. Oh God, I need to show you from scriptures that when the children of Israel lifted up their voices because of oppression, they lifted up their voices because they were in affliction. They were afflicted by their slave masters. They were afflicted by the leadership of Egypt. They were afflicted. They were in under oppression. They were in hard labor. So systems were driving these children and they lifted up their voice. 
And God said that he heard their cry. But when he heard their cry, that's what he did. He sent Moses. Moses was now faith. I don't think you heard that. I said that now faith for the children of Israel at the time was Moses. Because wherever you see now faith, it's talking about a certain time. So he said now faith is the substance of things hopeful. So for 400 years, the children of Israel were in slavery, crying out to God. But guess what God did? After he, the Bible says, and he heard their cry. I think it's, um, it will be Exodus chapter 2. Help me find that scripture. He said, and he said that he heard their cry, but he didn't come down himself. He didn't make a mighty wind blow over the nation of Egypt. Nothing changes by mystical behavior. God is raising a new set of leaders that are men of faith. So what are you? You're looking at how God is going to do it in the banking industry. You're looking at how God is going to do it in the entertainment world. You are his vehicle. Did you find it for me, Esther? Go for it. And the Lord said, uh -huh. I have surely seen the oppression of my people uh -huh. who are in Egypt yeah. and have heard their cry uh -huh. because of their taskmasters. So God saw the oppression. He heard the cry. But he could not come down and do anything. He could not come down himself and change the scenario. Guess what he had to do? He had to send a man. I think some of you watching me are the men that God is trying to send. He's trying to send you to a certain generation so that you can deliver the people that he has desired to be delivered from oppression. Go back to now faith is. Now faith is uh, the substance of things hoped for. Yeah. The evidence of things not seen. He said faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What was the evidence that God answered the Israelites' prayer? Moses. But the Israelites never saw God. They never saw him. They never saw the things that they, they prayed to. They never saw him whom they prayed to, but they saw Moses. They saw Moses. Moses was the evidence that God existed. You are the evidence that God is still working. So when you're praying and lifting up your hands, saying, God, come down and manifest. Come down and show us your power. He says, you are my power. Said the evidence of things not seen, but, but for by faith. What does he say? For by it, yeah. the elders obtained a good testimony. He said there were elders who obtained a good testimony by faith. Go for it. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Look at everything that God did by faith. So let me know that God is a God of faith. Even God uses the instrument of faith to create it, to create and frame what the world. Even God used the instrument of faith in order to develop cities, to develop the seas and the constellations that we now see today, the galaxies, he developed it by faith. He developed the sun that runs its course around the world by faith. He developed the seas and the borders that the seas had by faith. 
Everything was by faith. So the underlining machine of God was faith. He said, by it, the, for by faith, the, the, the walls were framed. And what? By the word of God. Uh-huh. So that the things which are seen yeah. were not made of things which are visible. Go for it. By faith, uh-huh. Abel offered to God a more excellent... Look at this now. He said, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent... Sacrifice than Cain. So guess what was operating in the, land, in, in the, in the life of faith? Um, Abel. Faith. He said, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. So even in giving, it is still faith. If there's no faith, there's no giving. It is the man of faith that gives. So guess what? Abel's Cain still gave an, a, an offering of faith. But it was but Cain, no, no, Cain gave an offering of faith, but Abel was the man of faith. Because the Bible says God respected Abel and his offering. So he said, by faith, Abel gave a better offering than Cain. I didn't know there was a big ability to give a better offering. I thought everybody was just giving offering. But there is the faith offering. It is better than just offering. So he said, by faith, Abel gave a better offering than Cain, yes? Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Okay. God testifying of his gifts. Yeah. And through it, he being dead still speaks. Mm-hmm. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Every time we see faith, we see men. It is consistent with scriptures that faith is non-operational if there is not a man operating it. The first man that started operating it or the first homo sapien or homo feeble man that was started operating it was God. God used faith in order to form the galaxies and the universe that you now see. But he then says that by faith, Abel. Now by faith, Cain. These were men that got possessed by faith. These were men that produced perseverance, but because they allowed faith to walk in and work in their situations. The scripture said that by faith, Enoch walked with God and what happened? And was not found because God had taken him. It's fine, leave it the way it is. He said it was not found because God had taken him. God had taken him because Abel was operating by a superior source. It's called faith. So if I'm going to operate in this dimension, if I'm going to operate in this city, I I cannot operate according to the system because the system has its way and it's not going to allow me into that space. So guess what I have to do? I have to create a space through faith because faith is another man who understands the framework of the universe. In fact, it it was the instrument that God used in order to create the universe. So when you see faith, you see creation. Creation and faith work together. So all of a sudden, a man who has no money, no pound in his pocket, begins to receive faith, begins to be conformed to the image of faith. And all of a sudden, he begins to rise through the ranks in life because faith has possessed his body. Faith comes. It comes when you hear the word of God. Like some of you are hearing me today. And all of a sudden, your your interior, your countenance is changing. The way you think, your mindset, the impossibilities are being removed. Faith is beginning to possess you. That's what happens. The word comes, it preaches to you, and then it says faith 
is the thing that follows the word. But he says, by faith, Enoch walked with God, I was no more. Mm-hmm. For before he was taken, uh-huh. he had this testimony. He had this testimony. That he pleased God. That he pleased God. So I guess what happens is that every situation you have, every situation you go through is an opportunity to please God. When there are situations around you and you are stirred up in your spirits, when, 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 when luck comes to try you, but you are stirred up in your spirits and you don't allow luck to have the last love, then guess what it says? The scriptures say that you believe God because faith produces perseverance. The constant pursuit. My pursuit is constant because of faith. I don't know any other language. I don't know any other behavior. I don't know any other characteristic because of faith. Faith has conformed me from the inside out. It has transformed me from the inside out. So now, when I'm preaching to you, I'm no longer preaching to you as the man I was yesterday because faith has come again. Read on. But without faith, Mm. it is impossible to please him. You see, for without faith, who is this faith? This personality, this being, they call faith. Faith is so reckless. Faith doesn't care whether you are a new, uh, um, a new, a new leader or not. Faith says, if you can, if you can, if you can contract me, if we can work together, if you can allow me to use the situations in your life to produce. Faith says, we can, we can turn things on its head. We can do, we can turn things upside down. That's what faith says. I was just looking through the, the giving for this month and I was just realizing that my faith looked at it or faith not my faith faith looked at it through me I said this is nothing just give me just give me a family and let's get this done you know faith that man called faith you know why sometimes you don't have you're not faith cannot really grip you the way you want to you have many other things on your mind you have many other ways to do with your situation You have many other circumstances or many other options or solutions that you want to bring to the table. Faith says I cannot work with that vessel. Faith says that if I'm going to work with you, I have to be your only option. I have to be the option that you choose in the presence of many other options. I have to be the option, I I, I have to be the man that you create sin with. So before you go and pick up a marriage for yourself, why don't you marry the man of faith? That's That's the one in whom your faith resides. Go for it. But without faith, Mm. it is impossible to please him. Mm -hmm. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Yeah. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently... Look at that. that. He said, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of what? Of those who diligently seek him. He said those who diligently. That sounds to me like continued pursuit. So wherever you find yourself, how do you know a man of faith? They continue. Whether the weather is good, whether the season is bad, They continue in the pursuit of faith. They continue in what God has called them to. So that's what I said to you, that the new generation leaders, 
the new gener the nation takers, the new generation of, of nation leaders, government, will be men of faith. What will be super, superimposed on the current systems are men of faith. Have we finished that? No, go on, continue. By faith, yeah. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, mm. moved with godly fear, yeah. prepared an ark for the saving of his household, mm. by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to the faith. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and let's finish our scope for today. I've got about 10 more minutes with you for today. Colossians 1, maybe stop me off from that verse 13, I believe. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness yeah. and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, okay. in whom we have redemption, the yeah. forgiveness of sins. Yeah. The Son is the image of the invisible God, okay. the firstborn over all creation. So this is why this is important. You see the sun, he is the image of the invisible God. He, he had to put the sun there because the sun can become, in fact, the sun is a representation of God on earth. He said the sun is the image so what do I need to tell you? When Christ walked this earth, God walked the earth. Every situation Christ found himself in and how he reacted, what he did in those situations, how he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, right? How he sent Peter to the mouth of the fish to get gold in it. Um, what else again? How he raised Lazarus from the dead. The sun is the invisible image of, what is it? The invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So if I want to see God, and that's why I always encourage people, when you want to read scriptures, read the life of Jesus. Because the Son is the image of the invisible God. So that tells me that there can be an image on earth of the invisible God. Christ came to walk the world. He came to walk the earth. But on this earth, what God is saying to us was, He was, he was me. So he says, um, the firstborn from all the dead, yeah, for in him all things were created. Look at this now. In him all things were created. Things. Things in heaven and things, on earth. Look at this. Things in heaven and on earth. So we were talking about faith. By faith, the worlds were framed. Now we've come to the sun. The sun. In him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Yeah. Visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. The things you see today, oh God, I love this. The things you see today and the things you cannot see were all created by God. By created by the Son. 
But then what does it say after? Whether thrones or powers. I needed that because yesterday in the worship that we were talking about power. So this week, when we get into this week, we're actually going to deal with Christ in me. But we're coming from a power dimension now. Because if you look at this scripture, you will look at it and it says, whether thrones or powers, yeah? Or rulers or authority. They said rulers or authority, everything was created in Christ. There was nothing that is created. There is no national leader that was not created inside of Christ. There is no national throne that is being sat upon today that was not created inside of Christ. Every power. So people talk about demonic power. Even the demonic power that people talk about was created inside of Christ. So if Christ is in me, Guess what that means about that power? It is subjected to me. I spoke yesterday about economic power. Economic power was created on the inside of Christ. Remember what I said? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that giveth thee power to create wealth. That's economic power. So it says here that whether thrones or powers, there is no throne that exists today that was not created by him. So where is the disconnect? Because you've got a lot of church people praying, but they're never surrounded by any thrones. They're praying to Christ who created the thrones, but the thrones belong to those that have nothing to do with Christ. Where's the disconnect? Let's read on. All things have been created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. So the desire of Christ is that you will rise as a man or a woman to take your place amongst the nation so that you can submit what was created by him back to him. So the agenda of man, God's man, is to take back what God created. And until you work with that anger, until you work with, uh, until you work in the legal industry, saying that this industry belongs to God. Until you work in the medical world, saying that this medical world belongs to God, with a desire to take it back for the kingdom. That's when you know you're a man or a woman on assignment. What is the assignment? The take back agenda, saying that Christ exists. So Christ created everything that exists today. I'm a son, so therefore I have right to things that people are holding. Paul began to say, do you not know that all things are yours? Why are they yours? You come from a line called Christ. When Christ was in the earth, he took back what was his. So when you are in the earth, you exist to take back what is God's. Because it was created through him and for him. If he just said it was created through him, then that would have been fine. But he said it was created for him. So if there is a Pharaoh in Egypt, Joseph will be the one to go to Egypt. And Pharaoh will now submit to God because of Joseph. That shows me that Pharaoh was created for God. He was created for him. In the scripture, it will tell you, I was the one that raised Pharaoh in power. So therefore, if Moses is in Egypt also, the Pharaoh created then was created through God and for God. 
So God will be the one to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh will not hear when Moses is speaking because God wants to show his power. Pharaohs are created for God. I don't care if it's governor or president. They're created through God for God. I don't care if it's prime minister. They're created through God for God. So I don't care if what it looks like today. I don't care what it looks like if you're in the backside of the wilderness. Goliath was created through God for God. So David is going to slay Goliath. And Saul was created through God for God. So eventually David will become king. It is just the way it works. God created every throne that exists. He installs kings and he removes them. He installs leaders and he removes them. He installs governors and he removes them. They were created for him. When you walk in this power, when you see the CEO or a CFO of an organization, a big organization like the House of Morgan or the Goldman or Sachs, you 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 would think that these are so much. They are these are powerful beings at the at the at the pinnacle of these organizations. Yes, they earn billions of pounds, but they were still created through God, for God. So what you are is that you're an agent sent by God to begin to recover the lost treasure that God had given to man. That is what you are here for. That is why he sent you. You are not too small for this agenda. You are not too small. So he said all things were created through him, all things. Everything that exists today was created through him, for him. And then what? He is before all things. He is before all things, yeah? And in him all things hold together. He said that in him. It is only in him that all things hold together. So I'm not surprised when I see things falling apart. I'm not surprised when I see the banking world falling apart. I'm not surprised when I see the Medicare world falling apart. I'm not surprised when I see nations falling apart. Because the location which keeps everything together is in him. Everything is held together in him. My life is held together in him. The rulership of nations is held together in him. So that's why I'm sure that pastors will lead the next world. Because it will have to come from the location called him. In Christ. So before we go on Christ in me, we're going to have a double-edged sword. Sword. We're going to be talking about in him and him in us. Oh, I love this. There is us in him and him in us. So I began to realize that this place called Christ, it is more than just a being. It's a location. In him, in him, everything is held together. So the question is not whether my life is going well. The question is whether I'm in him. Read up. And he is the head of the body, mm. the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Yeah. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Uh-huh. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Mm. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. I love that. He said, for God was pleased to have all his fullness placed inside of Christ. In him. In him. So I want you to think with me tonight. Actually, continue to read just a bit more. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Look at this. 
God sent Christ to reconcile to himself all things. Remember when P.T. talked about the ministry of reconciliation? In fact, that's what we'll end with, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are God's ambassador to reconcile to himself all things. What is your ministry? Reconciliation. The economic world must be reconciled to God. There must be some people that drive with a, 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 an assertiveness because they know that all things must be reconciled to Him. There must be some that know how to push boundaries because all things must be reconciled to God. Do you find it? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Remember that scripture. As though God were making his appeal through us. God appeal has already dealt with this. That we are God's appeal here on earth. But tonight I just want to get you to you the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing back to God what belongs to him. Meaning that when God, oh my days, almost as if you are God's bailiff. You know those companies, right? Agencies. That when they when somebody owes them a certain amount, what they do, right, is that they send people to go and retrieve what belongs to the to the person. So it says that what God did is he sent us to retrieve what, what belongs to him. You're in a retrieval mission. You are sent to retrieve. You know, when certain soldiers, they got put on extraction missions. You're going to extract somebody from a certain nation. That's what God is saying. That I called you to extract all my days. The finances. Your extractors. That's what you are. You must extract finances from certain places. Just the same that way that Moses extracted water from the rock. You must begin to extract things from the hard places. So you grew up in certain local communities. I understand that. You grew up from the hard place because you're an extractor. Guess what you were able to extract from the local communities? The best that the country had to offer. The best talent that the country had to offer. You extracted it from the local communities. The best leaders that the country had to offer. You extracted it from the local communities because God sent you on an extraction mission. Those things that God was saying, what is so winning? Extraction. You're beginning to call people out. You're going into it for a special operation. You're calling people out of a certain lifestyle. It's an extraction mission. It's a retrieval process. God sent you because he knew you were capable. Reconciliation. So he said that through Christ, he was reconciling the whole world to him. Christ in me. There was a time when Paul began to pray. And he said, my little children, for whom I travel in child pains again or birth pains again until Christ is formed in you because with the Christ in you you will begin to reconcile things so they said that this is what the economic budget of heaven is at the moment you will not say wow we did well this month no you're actually after the finances of the world to reconcile it back to God you're on an economic mission it's a lot bigger a lot deeper 
than just my head knowledge. Oh, I'm so happy I gave my seed this month. Ah, we, we've got to move past that stage because there's a stage where you get to as a man of faith where you're driving to say that, Lord, if this economy were doing, I must always have, and you always have it, may be able to abound to every good work. Let's finish. We implore you on Christ's behalf. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Mm -hmm. Be reconciled to God. He said be reconciled. So he was calling on Christ's behalf to reconcile people to God. That's our duty. The ministry of extraction. Extracting people from a lifestyle and bringing them into this life called Christ. So willing is extraction. It's as simple as that. Giving is extraction. Extracting it. You know, oh man, I, get me the definition to extract. Because Moses looked at the water and, and looked at the rock and the children of Israel were thirsty and they needed water and Moses was about to say to the rock, no, God told Moses to speak to the rock or to strike the rock the first time. And when he struck Christ, water came out. But not tonight. Go for it. To draw out. To draw out. Go on. To take out or select a part. To take out or select a part. Yeah. To draw from by any means or operation. He said to draw from by any means or any or operation. Oh my days. So he begins to talk about financial extraction. So if I turn to the Connect family and I say to Connect family, this month we're on an extraction mission. If I turn to family capital and say to well not to family, I turn to part capital and say take family capital on an extraction mission to draw from through operation extraction. Then it says what? That's it. Then let's go back to our scripture. God made him who had no sin to mm. be sin for us. Yeah. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. I think tonight I'm so I want to just use this to get you ready. Monday is Christ in me. But I'm using this. I'm gonna treat it so next week, right? The week coming after Sunday, we're going to treat it day by day, just work. Let's call it teaching week. Let's just call it teaching week, day by day. We're just going to teach it, teach Christ in me. You'll see the power that will ooze from you. You'll see the transformation, the creation, creative power that will be released because, because men would understand that they are in him and he is in him.